here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. WrestleMania 3 at the Silver Dome in Pontiac, Michigan. It's a day that I'm certain my guests at this time will not forget. I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man nothing Randy. Means nothing. Nothing. nothing means nothing. Man. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? More. I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. Macho Madness, yeah, has got more to offer than President Jack Tunney thinks that I got. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something right now. Cards stacked against the Macho Man Randy Savage in WrestleMania 3. Yeah, let me say it, yeah. Let me say it out loud. And let me point to the president of the World Wrestling Federation the Macho Man Randy Savage is not happy with your decision, yeah. I am the cream in the World Wrestling Federation. Wait, wait a minute, and there is no doubt about it, yeah. You mean Gene Oakland. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Oh, wait, wait a minute, though, Randy. I've got to ask you very seriously. Do you blame Mr. Jack Tunney, the distinguished president of the World Wrestling Federation, for Ricky Steamboat being the Intercontinental Champion today? Yeah, I do, yeah. Outside interference, yeah. In my moment of glory. Yeah, no, I'm living in a nightmare. And I am the cream. And now, not only the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship belt must fall, but the World Heavyweight Championship belt. Because Hulk Hogan, yeah. I am the cream, yeah, the cream of the crop, and there is no one that does it better than the Macho Man Randy Savage. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter, I'm better than you are, yeah, and I'm talking to everyone in the World Wrestling Federation, and I'm even talking to President Jack Tunney, yeah, I'm on my way, and nothing is gonna stop me. Nothing's gonna stop me. You know, just out of curiosity, Randy, and I certainly don't want to diminish your tremendous uh, God-given talents, but but I'm very curious. I haven't seen Elizabeth lately. Yeah, she's on the outside of the ring. Does she interfere in matches? Yeah. Nothing. Zero. Yeah. Pure athlete. Yeah. And I've been uh, yeah maligned from the top to the bottom, and because they can't handle the macho man Randy Savage, the cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Eat me. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today 
is a first-timer here on Music of the Mat. He is a contributor at Voices of Wrestling. It's Mr. Lee Malone. Lee, welcome. Hello, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, delighted to be on the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're always on Twitter uh, saying how much you enjoy the show, which always appreciated, of course. And pal, eventually you, you would like to be on the podcast, which now you are. And if I'm not mistaken here, Lee, uh, you told me this earlier, not only is this your first time on Music of the Mat, but this is also your first time on any wrestling podcast whatsoever. Yeah, as you so uh, nicely put it, you are my first, Andrew. Well, I feel blessed. I feel blessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, my first ever wrestling podcast, I do my own uh, soccer podcast with a couple of friends of mine, but uh, yeah, this is my first wrestling podcast, so I'm really looking forward to it. I will be held down no more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, ne- never in my days would I imagine myself to be a, uh, a veteran podcaster, shall we say. And I've only been doing this for about a year and a quarter now. I don't know if that counts as veteran status, but uh, in any case, here we are, me, the learned master, you, the rookie. So if you get nervous out there, kid, just grab a hold. I'll take care of you. <laughs> well, after your booking of the uh, VOWG one, I think uh, you are definitely the uh, the experienced one in all of this. Well, uh, we'll save that for another time, maybe another day. <laughs> That's for the, fan- the fantasy booking podcasts. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, since this is your first time here on Wrestling Podcast, Lee, uh, tell people a little bit about yourself. Um, how long have you been a wrestling fan? And has music played a big part of your wrestling fandom at all? Uh, I've been a wrestling fan since probably 1990, from about the age of four. Although apparently before that, I'm told, my dad likes to remind me that from an early age, I would just sit in front of the TV and uh, watch wrestling no matter what was on. So it could have been like WCW, WWE, or WWF as well at the time. Um, so yeah, just from a very early age right through till now, um, I just watched anything that was available. Um, I mean, my, my first memory of wrestling is Earthquake squashing Hogan in the run-up to SummerSlam 90. So that will kind of give you a gauge on how old I am. Um, but yeah, I mean, music, music as always plays, uh, for me, plays a huge part of the whole wrestling experience. Um, I think uh, the entrance music for a wrestler sets the whole team for his run or her, her run. Um, and I do think it's a vital part of the act. All right, cool, cool. So, Lee, we are here on episode 32 to discuss the theme history of the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I imagine there's going to be quite a few Macho Man impressions on this episode here, uh, Lee. I, I, was waiting, I was waiting for the first one. Just to... <laughs> do you, uh, you want to give it a go here? Uh, I'll, I'll wait to drop it in. I'll let the anticipation build. All right, all right. Well, we'll tease it for later then. Okay, keep the audience hooked. <laughs> Good idea there. Now, I'm sure there are people listening at home or at the gym or on their commute or wherever and they're saying to themselves now wait a minute here i thought macho man only had a couple of themes to his name the graduation song and maybe the nwo song and that was about it to which i say au contraire mon frere because macho man had quite a number of songs that he used as entrance themes which honestly surprised the hell out of me i know on the last episode that i did the Daniel Bryan episode, 
I was quite stunned as to just how many songs that Brian had as themes. Same here with Macho Man. And Lee, when we were doing the planning for this episode, you told me that you also only knew Randy for just having Pomp and Circumstance and the NWO theme. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was like yourself, very surprised by a couple of the songs that uh, we're going to have on the podcast today. And yeah, I mean, obviously he's most well known for Pomp and Circumstance. Um, so yeah, I mean... Very shocking to me. Yeah, I think what we need to remember uh, is that Randy Savage, he didn't just you know pop out of thin air in the WWF in 85, all rip around to go. He spent well over a decade in the Midwestern territories, places like Michigan and, and Georgia, Tennessee, the Carolinas, etc., honing his craft alongside his dad, Angelo Poffo, and his brother, Lanny Poffo. And even though music and wrestling was nowhere near as prevalent then as it is now, Randy still used a bunch of different songs as themes long before Pomp and Circumstance ever graced the PA system at a WWF show. Of course, the thing is that those songs are not as fondly remembered as Pomp and Circumstance or Rock House because those two songs were featured on a national level, on national TV when Randy was at the height of his popularity. But thanks to the internet and wrestling forums and obsessive wrestling fans like myself, we we do know that Randy was more than just a two or three song guy and had a wide range of themes over the course of his entire career, Lee. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you say, he he didn't just appear out of thin air. I mean, he did spend a lot of time, especially in around Memphis, like you say, with his dad. Um, I mean... Looking at the, the dates of some of the songs, I mean, he would probably be one of the first in wrestling to have consistent entrance music. Yeah, again, this is the late 70s, early 80s. Music is not as sewn in to the fabric of wrestling as it later would be. Um, mm-hmm. This is still the early stages of the two coming together. And then, of course, as we get into the late 80s and 90s, that's when things really pick up steam and music becomes this inseparable part of wrestling. I think as, we, as we'll see with the first song, it's very much a new thing and kind of testing out what's suitable. Yeah, yeah. So we could be here all day long talking about Macho Man and his career and, and this match or that promo, but we don't have all day long, unfortunately. We, we do have themes to get to. But before we do here, Lee, I will ask this question to you as sort of a little aperitif to the entree. Get us in the mood here. So, uh, Lee, do you remember the first time you ever encountered Macho Man Randy Savage? And I use that word encountered for a very specific reason that has to do with my answer. But, Lee, do you have any memories yourself of your first encounter with Macho Man? The first memory I have of the Macho Man is probably SummerSlam 92, which is an odd one, considering it was a face-versus-face match with Warrior. Well, it's the one that that's most prevalent as my first memory of him. Like I say, it's a bit strange to remember that specific match because it was kind of a nothing match and a build between himself and uh, Ric Flair more than anything else. Yeah, that was his uh, second run with the belt um, after he beat Flair at Mania 8. I remember that, yeah, yeah. So I got into Randy a little bit later than you did. Um, Back in the day when I was a youngin', there was a show here in the States on Cartoon Network called Dexter's Laboratory. By any chance, Lee, do you know that show? I remember it well, yeah. Yeah, it was about this genius kid named Dexter, 
and his wacky adventures. And each episode was cut into segments. And one of the recurring segments on the show was called Dial M for Monkey. And it was about Dexter's pet monkey that was secretly a superhero. Uh, And in one episode in particular, there is this intergalactic wrestling champion named Rasslor. R-A-S-S-L-O-R. Who comes to Earth and challenges all of Earth's superheroes to a match, including Monkey. And if nobody beats him, he gets to destroy the Earth. And Rasselor, he is like the Kazuchika Okada of space. He he beats everybody. <laughs> Val Halen, Major Glory, Living Bullet, Capital G, takes them all down. All the, all the anti-space wrestling people on Twitter would have been so fired up about this. You know, Fire Space Gato, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> who who is left to face... Rasslor, who is the last baby face standing to stop this madman? It's our pal Monkey. And and Rasslor, he beats the shit out of Monkey. Throws him from pillar to post. And yet, as Chumbawamba so often sang, no matter how many times Monkey got knocked down, he got up again. And Rasslor just couldn't keep him down. He even throws him through the ring like Big Show choke slamming Undertaker on that episode of Raw from 99. And still, Monkey has some fight left in him. And wouldn't you know it, Lee, Rasslor is so impressed by Monkey's resilience and determination and fighting spirit that he decides to spare Earth. Of course, the man doing the voice of Rasslor, none other than Steve Mongo. I'm kidding, kidding, <laughs> kidding. No, no. <laughs> It was, of course, Randy Savage, and that's that's why I used the word encountered before, because my first memory of Randy Savage wasn't seeing him. It was hearing his voice. The, the iconic voice. Exactly, that iconic, deep, raspy, growly voice of Randy Savage. And the first time I ever saw Randy Savage with my eyes was technically in wrestling, but not really, because... It was when he was Bonesaw McGraw in that first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. I got you for three minutes. <laughs> three minutes of playtime. And I think it says something that even though the first times I ever you know, encountered Randy, he wasn't quote-unquote being Randy Savage. He actually still was kind of being Randy Savage. Because Rasslor and, and Bonesaw are these two intense, colorful over-the-top, muscle-bound wrestlers. And who is Randy Savage but an intense, colorful, over-the-top, muscle-bound wrestler? Because that's who he was and what he was so good at being and what people loved about him. No, nobody, nobody wants a subdued Randy Savage or a subtle Randy Savage. We want Yosemite Sam with muscles. We want the loud, boisterous, oiled up muscle bound man screaming oh yeah and doing these absurd promos you know cup of coffee in the big time yeah that uber masculine cartoonish jump off the page charisma is what made him so iconic to begin with and so when casting agents say to themselves we need someone to voice this pro wrestler in a cartoon show or to portray this pro wrestler in a big time spider-man movie they say, let's get Randy Savage. That's how tied to the image and the words pro wrestler 
Randy Savage was, I believe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think pro wrestler, Randy Savage screams pro wrestler from the from the attire to the music, as we'll discuss, to the voice, all of it. I mean, he just screams pro wrestler. Um, and I mean, it stands the test of time. I mean, I at the moment, my five-year-old son is majorly interesting. And he still watches Randy Savage matches and does the yeah and does all the impressions. And um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it like I say, it just stands the test of time that Savage is just iconic, legendary, just all of that, you know? Yeah. And looking at Randy's theme history, that same over-the-top, jump-off-the-page persona, that really shows itself in Randy's music as well. Because so much of Randy's aura, his, his macho madness, if you will, it came across in his outfits, his mannerisms, his promos, his catchphrases. It was all about the external with Randy. He was a very expressive guy. And maybe that expression wasn't always the most coherent in its execution, uh, he could be a bit too manic at times and have a wheel or two pop off the rails, but he still managed to stick the landing on most occasions. But in any case, I think it stands to reason that his music would be just as expressive as him. Most people, they may not realize this because, again, they only know pomp and circumstance or whatever, but looking at the popular songs that Randy used as entrance themes before he got to WWF, those songs are very vivid and striking. They're not subtle or understated. They are exactly the type of songs that would fit a guy like Randy Savage and a character like the Macho Man. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's one in particular that, I mean, struck me especially as just being absolutely perfect for the Macho Man pre-WWF. And like they say, they all just kind of, you can associate instantly as soon as you hear them. You can go, yeah, I can see how this fits Macho Man, I can totally get how this would have fit at the time. Definitely, definitely. So we've got eight themes to delve into on today's episode. So Lee, if you're ready to go, let's talk about some Macho Man themes. Let's go. All right, we'll begin in the late 1970s when Macho Man Randy Savage was making a name for himself in territories like Nashville and so forth. This first theme is by the village people. And if you're wondering, hmm, could it really be that obvious? Yes, yes it could. This is, of course, Macho Man. This is really a no-brainer. 
when it comes to this topic. Of course, Macho Man would use Macho Man as a theme. He's the Macho Man. And it, it does set up the overarching uh, motif of most of Randy's themes, and that is the braggadocio factor of Randy Savage. Look at me. Look at how awesome I am. Look at how amazing my physique is. Look at what I'm able to do in the ring. Not so uncommon nowadays, uh, the braggadocio theme, but again, considering the time period of when this was, late 70s, this is still, again, the early days of music being used as wrestling themes. So Randy is certainly helping to blaze a trail in regards to music, especially pop music, becoming part of the wrestling scene here, Lee. Yeah, I mean, this this was the one I mentioned earlier, saying um, you can see how they're still kind of feeling out the idea of having the entrance music where it, it makes sense on a on one level, but then you hear it and you're like, okay, yeah, I can see this. You, you read the lyrics and it's like uh, totally bragging about his body, which was the major point I got from this. This is a guy that's really, really happy with his physique. Yeah, and going off of that, it's a perfect song, not just for Randy, but for wrestling in general, because wrestling is very much about male bravado and showing off and look at my body. It's all over the song, you know, explore my body, tease my yeah. body, want to feel my body. The word body is used about as often as the word macho is used, and that's what wrestling is all about, you know, uh, especially as we get into the 80s, where it became more and more important how muscular you were and how mm -hmm. sculpted your body was. So it's kind of foreshadowing this oncoming shift of what the main image of the pro wrestler will be. It used to be you know, barrel-chested, the dad bod, if you will. Soon it will become the macho Greek god, and Randy will be part of that shift. I mean, if you've ever seen Randy from the late 70s, you know this guy was definitely in the Greek god's definition. He, he was ripped. And I'm sure there was maybe some chemical enhancement there. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> perhaps. Um, perhaps. But yeah, I mean, look, the, the song makes sense. Uh, you know, Macho Man, he is the Macho Man. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's very, very on the nose, certainly. But uh, hey, it's wrestling. That's often the case for wrestling. But um, I do want to bring this up, though. Uh, one more thing here about the song. It's an aspect that really fascinates me. And that is the gay aspect of it. Because, of course, you know, most of the village people were gay. The band was formed specifically to target a gay audience. They dressed in stereotypical attire that might appeal to gay men. They became gay icons. And thus, a lot of their songs can be read as being gay anthems. YMCA, In the Navy, I Am What I Am, and Macho Man. And even though the lyrics to Macho Man are not explicitly gay, you can still read between the lines, certainly. Um, talking about the male muscular body, uh, working out, admiring the Macho Man archetype. There's an entire verse that can be looked at as, as being pro-gay rights. Uh, every man ought to be a macho, macho man. To live a life of freedom, machos make a stand. Have their own lifestyle and ideals. Possess the strength and confidence. Life's a steal. You can best believe that he's a macho man. He's a special person in anybody's land. So to me, the fact that this song by this band is being used in wrestling, which hasn't always been the friendliest when it comes to the gay community, it's, it's very fascinating. 
to me. Yeah, I mean, especially for the late 70s. I mean, it's when you think about it that way, it is kind of shocking, especially down in the where I think it was Nashville. I think mm-hmm. he used them mostly. Um, I mean, that even today may not be as openly acceptable to gay rights as a lot of other places will be. And like you said, it's Nashville in the 70s. Um, not that I think that Randy and everyone else were being progressive and trying to make a statement in that part of the country. I'm sure they just looked at the title of the song or the the broader strokes of the song and said, hey, it, it's Macho Man, we'll use this. But still, though, I, I think it's... I, it's I, I, I would think maybe he used it for Heel Heat as well. Oh, yeah, good point. Good point. I didn't think of that, certainly. Could have been it. But, uh, yeah, a very, uh, very obvious song for the Macho Man, for sure, for sure. Moving on now to ICW. Uh, no, not that ICW in Scotland. I'm talking about International Championship Wrestling in Kentucky, which was operated by Randy's dad, Angelo, in the late 70s, early 80s. And, of course, Randy was one of the big stars there. Surprise, surprise. One of his themes in ICW was by the late great Queen of Disco herself, Donna Summer, off the album Bad Girls. This is Hot Stuff. This song is probably better known as the theme for Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, uh, again, for obvious reasons. But Randy used it too. Um, and, I'll, and I'll say this, whomever is picking these songs for Randy, whether it's him or somebody else, they are on the ball because Macho Man was released in 79, Hot Stuff was released in 80. Randy is using these songs around the same time period. It's not like it's a decade or two later. Randy has these songs as his entrance music during their zeitgeist in pop culture. I mean, Hot Stuff was a number one hit in America. It was a big song, as was Macho Man. So a very smart play here to get these songs that the people in the audience will instantly recognize. And when people are out and about, they'll hear Hot Stuff on the radio and they'll think of Macho Man Randy Savage. So it works in many ways here, Lee. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, if if you're living in um, Kentucky in the nineteen eighty, in nineteen eighty, and you hear that on the on the radio, you're gonna go, "Oh, that's a Macho Man song from ICW." Oh, I must go to the next event. I mean, it, it is clever. I mean, it's like you say, right as the as the songs are hitting, Randy seems to be changing his song to something more current. And um, 
I mean, this is, a, I think it's a perfect song for Andy. Um, as it's his dad's territory, I'm guessing he was a babyface, and this to me just screams babyface song. I mean, right from the start. And again, the braggadocio factor plays a big role here. But this time, it's it skewed more towards the females in the audience, I'd say. Because the song Macho Man is about the general macho-ness of mm-hmm. Randy Savage. Hot Stuff is specifically about sex. Yeah. Donna Summer is a woman in heat, and she needs a man in her life to give her the old horizontal mambo, shall we say. She's looking for some hot stuff. And when you put this song with Randy Savage, you're putting that sex-crazed aura onto him. And all the ladies in the audience who are looking for a real man to satisfy them and to take care of that dull ache in their loins look no further than Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, definitely. I mean, um, I I think you mentioned it previously, and it's not often you hear a female singer for a male wrestler. Yeah. And... um, like you say, this this song just screams sex. I mean, it literally just, you know, you hear this and poof. You get the vapors, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Fanning yourself, I do declare. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really have much more to say about it personally on that level. Um, I didn't dive deep into the lyrics. Um, yeah, it's pretty standard stuff, yeah. really. Um, you know, looking for some hot stuff maybe this evening. People know what that is, for sure. And I mean, uh, for me personally, I will always associate this song with uh, The Full Monty, the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, with um, uh, Robert Carlyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was a big movie when I was kind of young. I would say it was around 10, 11, maybe. And I just remember that being a big thing around the time. So I will for, forever associate it with that. Oh, yeah, this is totally a stripper song. Definitely. hundred <laughs> percent. Male, female, doesn't matter. <laughs> Randy's other theme in ICW uh, was by another female artist, Irene Cara, and it's off of the soundtrack to the film Fame, and this is the title track, Fame. example here of Randy having a pretty relevant song, uh, Fame, coming out in 1980, and another example as well of a song that emphasizes a different part of Randy's macho man persona, um, in this case, fame, and stardom, and being the most popular star in wrestling, the biggest star in the world. And so many of Randy's promos were about that, as are most wrestling promos. You have lines like, remember my name, and you ain't seen the best of me yet, give me time, I'll make you forget the rest. 
which do sound like things that Macho Man would say in a promo. So even though the song may seem out of place at a wrestling show, it works for Macho Man. Yeah, I mean, th- this was the song I mentioned previously about that just spoke to me as soon as I saw the lyrics and like, yeah, th- this fits Macho Man perfectly. Um, like you say, the whole Remember My Name and the ain't seen, seen the best of me yet, forget the rest. I got more in me and you can set it free. I mean, it's like he's speaking to the fans. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's perfect for a wrestling song. I think the line that seals the deal is, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. Yeah. And when you hear that, you immediately think of the elbow drop. Because Randy hitting that elbow drop off the top rope, it's such a massive part of, of Randy. Mm-hmm. And that helped Randy become a legend. And Randy did become a legend. He, he does live forever in our hearts and our minds. So fame is about that you know famous legacy aspect of Macho Man's persona. Yeah, I mean, even like, uh, I'm gonna live forever, baby, remember my name. I mean, that's just, it's totally like, it, it's what he lived up to, it's what he went on to do. It was almost um, a premonition in that sense. So ICW would eventually disband, and Randy and Lanny would both move on to Memphis, where they joined Jerry Lawler's Continental Wrestling Association, where they were single stars, but they also teamed up quite a bit too most notably against the Rock and Roll Express. The song that Randy and Lanny would use in CWA was a collaborative effort between the Jacksons and Mick Jagger off of the Jacksons album Victory. This is State of Shock. it follows a similar pattern to previous themes, um, hyping up the sexy factor of Randy and Lanny, two handsome, muscular guys who send women into a state of shock, a a tizzy, if you will, whenever they come out. And that's all well and good, but what I want to talk about here, what we need to talk about here, Lee, is the music video that Randy and Lanny did when they were in Memphis to this song, because it's a treasure. So, just a brief backstory here. Music videos became a massive thing in the 80s around the world because of three letters. MTV. If you were a band or an artist and you wanted to reach a larger audience, get your name out there, sell more records, promote your music, you went on MTV. Because it was proven that people who had videos on MTV had better sales. So, in wrestling in the 80s, 
in places like World Class and Memphis, they started making music videos as a way to promote the wrestlers and the shows. The Fantastics used Give Me All Your Lovin' by ZZ Top. The Fabulous Ones used You Dropped a Bomb on Me by The Gap Band. The Von Erics used Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. Uh, Jimmy Valiant used Boy from New York City by The Manhattan Transfer. And it would typically be a mix of in-ring footage, workout footage, shirtless posing, that kind of stuff. Randy and Lanny had a video set to State of Shock. And it, it, it does have the in-ring action, of course, but it also has Randy and Lanny in the woods. Randy is shirtless in his jeans. Lanny is in, like, a Renaissance Fair knight costume with the armor and the helmet and everything. And they're just walking around the woods, posing. It It's so oddly. I, I, I can't do justice to how weird a video it is. I mean, the song is called State of Shock. I was in a state of shock watching that video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from the beat cake moments of them in the shower, twirling their hair, to lying by, lounging by the pool. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the suit of armor, what the hell was going on with that? <laughs> uh, I mean, like you say, Randy is prancing, or well, not prancing, but prowling around the woods, while Lanny is wearing a full suit of armor, standing next to a statue. I mean, it, it puzzled me in that sense, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, Memphis is renowned for its beefcake videos. You know, all, all the um, the baby faces had to be sexy and, you know, the whole thing of hooking up with the, the locals. I mean, Memphis was renowned for it and uh, these videos played a major, major part. And of course, we also have the customary shots of Randy and Lanny by the pool. You know, yeah. all, all glistening and wet in their speedos, looking all sexy and hunky which was a staple of, of those 80s videos. And it's like, I can see what they're going for, but man, some of their ideas are just so weird. It's like, what, why the suit of armor? Why? Why did that happen? It's just so weird. So bizarre. Out of place as well. Like, I mean, why a suit of armor in Memphis in 1984? You know how hot it must have been for Lanny to wear that in the Memphis heat? It's like, <laughs> God. <laughs> And I'm guessing it was Jerry Jarrett's backyard because that's where they shot everything anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just bizarre. But, um, I mean, look, Randy and uh, Lanny at the time were perfect for the beefcake video. So they were definitely uh, upper body guys at that time. Yeah, as far as the song goes, it's a good song. You know, poppy, funky. Your typical Mick Jagger swagger song about sex. But I was listening to it and I was thinking... You know, I've heard the words State of Shock somewhere else in wrestling, but I, I couldn't put my finger on where. And then I realized that Randy says it in his WrestleMania 3 promo against Ricky Steamboat. It's that 30-second promo that he cuts right before the match. Oh, yeah! Macho Man Randy Savage, Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, was in a state of shock when Ricky the Dragon Steamboat came back, yeah. But this time, in front of the largest audience in the world, I will not only embarrass you, not only pin you with the one, two, three count, but I'm going to put you out of wrestling for good. Oh, yeah, Dragon. I am the Lord and Master of the Ring, and you're going to find that out. One athlete to another, right now. You can't be with me, no. History beckons the Macho Man, yeah. He says State of Shock in the first sentence, which I don't know if he did that on purpose, but still, it's a very cool Easter egg, I think. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a 
cool little uh, cool little note to make, yeah. Anything else on State of Shock, Lee? Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's just typical Jagger, you know, pure sex appeal. And um, I mean, I wasn't aware of the song before this, before finding out it was a theme song for Randy and Lanny. Um, but I mean, it's it's just a pretty basic pop song. I will say that looking at these four songs that Randy had prior to joining the WWF, you can really see the difference in generations between the 80s and the 90s and 2000s as far as the music trends in wrestling are concerned. Because so much of 90s and 2000s wrestling music is hard rock, heavy metal, new metal, gangsta hip-hop, aggressive music. And with Angry Randy, at the World, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Angry at the World, Angry White Boy Dude Bro music. Yeah. And with Randy... It's disco, it's pop, it's new wave, it's funk, it's R&B. He has female artists, he has black artists. You wouldn't find that many wrestlers using those genres of music as entrance themes once the 80s and early 90s are over. And perhaps the reason why is that as music became more and more important to the presentation of wrestling... Perhaps people you know, became a bit more conscientious of which songs sound like they work at a wrestling show. Because songs like Fame or Macho Man, while they may fit the character of Macho Man, they don't necessarily gel with the environment of a testosterone-filled, action-packed wrestling show. Especially as things like ECW and the Attitude Era come along. Because now that wrestling is harder-edged, and has a more aggressive, in-your-face tone, let's use songs that are conducive to this new, more intense environment, like metal and hip-hop and other styles of music like that. I mean, you're going to recognize hot stuff as soon as it comes on the PA system, but is it going to get you pumped? Is it going to go, yeah, come on, like, you're up for the next, this next match, you're going, you know... Randy Savage is coming back from a big layoff. He's coming back to get his revenge. It's not exactly going to get the get the blood boiling. And um, whereas, like we say, the the kind of the angry kind of hip hop and new metal is is conducive to that kind of atmosphere. So in 1985, Randy joined the WWF, and this is where the iconic imagery of Macho Man really sinks in to the collective consciousness of wrestling fans. He's got the flamboyant outfits. Miss Elizabeth is his manager. He's cutting promos with Mean Gene. He's got a championship belt around his waist, whether it's the world title or the IC belt. And he's got an entrance theme, that entrance theme, that would follow him for the better part of two decades. This is Sir Edward Elgar with a piece that we all know as the graduation song, but its proper name is Pomp and Circumstance.
key feature of pomp and circumstance is in the name, pomp, pomposity. And considering who first made this song famous as a wrestling theme, Gorgeous George, it's an obvious choice, because Gorgeous George was very much the innovator of the vain, arrogant, narcissistic, pompous heel who was smarter than you. He was classier than you. He was richer than you. He dressed nicer than you. He was better than you. Same with Randy Savage, who may have been a bit more intense and shouty than Gorgeous George, for sure, but he still portrayed that same type of arrogant, uh, braggadocio, better-than-you character. He's the macho man, the cream of the crop, the intercontinental champion, the world champion. He's the best wrestler in the world. History beckons the macho man. And how does the macho man convey this sense of superiority? The same way that Gorgeous George did with this song. Because Pomp and Circumstance, it sounds like a song that is better than you. It's orchestral, it's dignified, it's classy, it's elevated. And only a wrestler of such magnitude and greatness, like Macho Man Randy Savage, is worthy of coming out to it. So the theme really does such a fantastic job of accentuating that aspect of Randy's character and adds that cherry on top to the overall presentation of Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine being in like some kind of smoke-filled arena in the 80s and this song comes on. I mean, you're instantly going to hate whoever it is. So for Savage to come in with this, I mean, it just it, it's absolutely perfect. I mean, the grandeur of it all. And then he has the cape, the, the long capes, and um, he, he has Elizabeth with him. It's just, I mean, it's all, it fits perfectly. It's all just iconic is the way I yeah. describe that whole look with the song. I mean, you can't, I can't hear that song without thinking Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, and I think it's a really genius move on Randy's part to start with that 10 seconds of ramp up. That dun 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 Instead of just starting with the melody, you know, the da, 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 because it gives the theme a sense of what I call egotistical urgency. Because when you have that ramp up intro, you're essentially telling the audience, hey, everybody, Macho Man is coming. Quick, look over here, get your cameras ready. It's almost time. He's almost here. It creates this sentiment that the Macho Man, the heel Macho Man, thinks he is so important that he deserves this majestic ramp-up into the beautiful orchestral music. Just a, a fantastic a little touch here. It's almost like his own, his own personal announcer without being an actual announcement. It's like, like you say, get ready, here he comes. Are you ready for it? Because he's coming. And when Macho Man becomes the Macho King, it still works, perhaps even better, because of the regality and the nobility that this song conveys. Oh yeah, I mean, seeing Macho Man, or Macho King as he was, and Queen Cherry being carried to the ring as the song plays, I mean, it's just, it's just that image of just regality, as you say, and um, the fact that he was able to keep the song as a babyface then just shows how ingrained the song is to his character, mm -hmm. to, to how attached it all is to, to the Macho Man. And you can sort of look at it as twisting the sentiment behind it because heel macho man coming after this song is is very much you know self-important look at me look at how awesome i am 
face macho man, it's like, how do I explain this? Um, it's, it's like the crowd is celebrating macho man in a way. Does that make sense, Lee? Like we are putting this triumphant and glorious song on him as opposed to him as a heel putting the song on himself. Does that make sense? Like he has earned the right to have this magnificent yes. song. Yes. Bring him into an arena. He has yes. earned this. We've decided, yeah, he is worthy of this song. It's very similar to Ric Flair with, um, I can't remember the name of the song. Uh, also Sprach Zero Thrustra. You said a bird and I ever put. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's another example of, like I say, he's earned the right to have this majestic song. It should also, I think, be noted that this song is a nice contrast to a certain orange-skinned fellow and his entrance music. Because Hulk Hogan, he's the all-American patriot, uh, 24-inch pythons, hero to the masses, defender of the innocent. He has this big 80s patriotic rock and roll music. And then you have Randy, who goes in a completely different musical direction with the orchestral music. So it's like, it's like no wonder the mega powers didn't last long. It's these two styles of music that completely clash with one another. Why were they ever friends in the first place? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just seems such a bad match in hindsight. Now here is something else I discovered, Lee, about this song that's pretty fascinating. Did you know that Randy actually regretted using this song later in life because gorgeous george was his idol and he felt like you know him having this theme took away from the legacy of gorgeous george because today when you hear this song you don't think of gorgeous george first you think of randy savage and it really upset randy and made him feel guilty about it because he was his hero so i i thought that was very very interesting to read about I actually did not know that. Um, that's kind of shocking because, I mean, you look at the career that Randy had and he 100% lived up to the song. And, I mean, it wouldn't be the only way he would taint the name Gorgeous George. No, it wouldn't. But more on that later. More on that later. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here, Lee, all right? <laughs> uh, we're not done with Palmer's Circumstance yet because after almost 10 years in the WWF, Randy jumped ship to WCW, the competition, where he retained pretty much everything about him and his character. He was the same guy, the same outfits, same moveset, same megastar status, just in a different setting. And he was also able to keep Pomp and Circumstance as his theme, albeit this time performed by WCW's composers, Jimmy Hart and Howard Helm. So let's hear their version of Pomp and Circumstance.
great thing about this song is that it's public domain, which helps a lot when you're changing companies. But still, I, I think it's a sign of how closely connected Randy was to this piece of music, that even when he changes companies, WCW is smart enough to recognize that this is Randy's song. Um, of course, they do their, their own spin on it uh, with his cover version, but still, it's a smart decision on their part to keep the status quo with Randy, because that's what people are used to with Randy. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have felt like Randy Savage if he didn't have Pomp and Circumstance when he debuted in WCW. It would have felt like a, a new a new guy, almost. Even though he yeah. looked like Randy Savage and he had the cowboy hat and the, the multicolored clothes, he would have felt different. But, I mean, the, the way I described the WCW version of Pomp and Circumstance, I think that you'll get this idea of what I mean. Uh, a minor league baseball version of Pomp and Circumstance. <laughs> in that... In that, you know when they have like the, the American National Anthem before the ball game, but they have like a guy on an electric guitar come in and play? That's what this feels like to me. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we know the original is fair play to use, but, you know, by golly, we're going to do our own take on it. Fuck it, why not? <laughs> you know that song you love? Here's our take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what I like about this song is how it's able to convey that it's still the same Randy, but in a new environment within the music because what's most notable about this song is that it's a rock version. It's, it's got the guitar doing the main melody. That represents how Randy is in WCW now. This is where the big boys play. No more kitty WWF nonsense. This is the cool promotion. But at the same time, underneath the rock guitar, you still have the marching band playing with the booming drums and the clashing cymbals, and the the clearly synthesized strings, uh, which is, of course, a Jimmy Hart staple. And that symbolizes how, even though this is a new environment, it's still the same old guy, with the elbow drop, and the hat, and the, the outfits, and the sunglasses, and the oh yeah, which is what you hear at the beginning. Yeah, but that's the one big difference in it all, is that stinger at the start. Just mm -hmm. after the big after the big build-up, you get did 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 and then you get, ooh, yeah, and it breaks down into the guitar. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's fairly similar, pretty much the same, but it's just different enough that it feels like a new beginning for Andy. Right, right. Now, we already covered this in episode four, the NWO episode, but Macho Man did join the NWO, and he did take on the NWO theme song, Rock House, by Frank Shelley, and he got his own version of it, where it's just the same song, except with, oh yeah, sampled in. I kind of want to just focus in this episode on Macho Man's solo themes, uh, but Lee, do you have any thoughts on Macho Man and his uh, NWO music? No, I mean, it, it, you basically covered it on the NWO episode. Um, it's it's a great song. Uh, all the little individualized touches for the for their own entrances was a nice little thing. But, I mean, it's the same otherwise. And Randy was also in the Wolfpack, too. So he, he also used the Wolfpack theme by C. Murder, which is actually a good little bit of foreshadowing there for Randy's future hip-hop career with Be A Man. <laughs> 
<laughs> but we'll save that for another day. Another day, folks. Thank, thank God I'm not covering that part. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, Lee. Lucky you. <laughs> um, I, I will say I preferred the Wolfpack team. I think that's just such a cool team. Even now, even now, like what twenty years later, it's still like ooh, to me. It's like ooze is cool. Just that song. So in 1998, Randy took a little break from wrestling because he had to have a few major knee surgeries. So he went away for a little bit. And when he came back to WCW-TV in April 1999, he was looking a bit different, shall we say, uh, as was his entrance as well, because he stopped using pomp and circumstance. Instead, uh, we have a new theme for Randy by Jimmy Hart and Howard Helm off of WCW Mayhem The Music. This is called, and I'll say it properly here, What Up Mach? What up Mach? The 21st century is on our doorstep here. We need to bring Macho Man into the new millennium. Give Randy Savage a fresh coat of paint. Make him appealing to a younger audience. And how do we do that? Three words. Generic metal instrumental. We get some generic metal riffs, some low-tone guitars that sound like a Slayer ripoff. It's going to drive the kids wild. The song's going to do gangbusters. And just to make sure that everybody knows that Randy Savage is still a ladies' man, we're going to have a woman say, What up, Mach? in the intro. Just to make sure that everybody knows that Macho Man still has the sex appeal. It's a surefire win here, Lee. Surefire win. I mean, that's not just any woman. That's the aforementioned Gorgeous George. Um... I mean, yeah, I mean, it does have the what of much and the, the, um, the oh yeah singer, as we've seen from previous songs, that's brought in again. Um, but I mean, this is so generic. It's just, like I, I have written down, I mean, would you be surprised if Chris Harris walked out for a job or match <laughs> in WCW in 2000 to this song? I mean, it's just so bad. It's very appropriate, I think, for the time period and for this new era of Randy's career because... This wasn't your dad's macho man with the colorful outfits and Miss Elizabeth. This is very much a macho man for the Attitude Era slash late 90s. No more fancy outfits, no more bright colors, no more pomp and circumstance. Everything that made up the macho man aesthetic that had been around since the 80s and early to mid 90s is gone. And now he has slicked black hair in a ponytail a mesh shirt, black tights, earrings, and not one woman as his valet, but three women, an entire team of women, Team Madness, along with new music that is appropriate for the era. 
just this soulless metal music that's that it says nothing about macho man and could really go with anyone and any jamoke in wcw could have used this song and i think of all of the singles themes that macho man had in his career this is the only one you can look at and say this doesn't feel like a macho man song it doesn't matter how much block he wears doesn't matter how jacked to the gills he gets. Angry metal dude bro music does not fit Macho Man Randy Savage. No, it doesn't fit at all. I mean, the only memorable part of it is the what of match. I mean, that that's the only part that's memorable at all about it. I mean, otherwise it could be just a generic jobber song. Um, yeah, I mean, Team Madness, I mean, they tried to bring Macho into the 21st century, but I mean really shouldn't have. I mean, the Macho Man is the Macho Man, no matter what way you try and paint them. I mean, if they had given that that look and team madness to some somebody else that needed to push up the card, it might have worked better. But, I mean, doing it with the Macho Man in 1999, I mean, that's WCW for you. Yeah, nothing about him, really. Nothing. But, um, by the way, by the way, the women in Team Madness, do you know who they were? I do know who they were. I was a big fan of WCW in 1990. Oh, really? I, I, lived, wow. I lived through those times, Andrew. Oh, well, I believe you, for sure. <laughs> the, the conviction in your voice, I have to believe you here. But, uh, yeah, uh, there was Gorgeous George, yeah, Gorgeous who George. was his girlfriend um, that Randy bought the name for. He bought the name Gorgeous George and gave it to her. Medusa, she was number two. Mm-hmm. And number three was Miss Madness. And Lee... Could you tell people who Miss Madness later became? She went on to become the future Molly Holly. That's right. Yeah, Mighty Molly herself. Yeah. So yeah, this this whole this whole big makeover and team madness and what up, Mach? It just didn't work for Randy, and it didn't last long either because Macho Man he didn't stick around for much longer after he came back in April. Uh, in fact, his last WCW pay per view match ever was at Road Wild 99 in August. And it was against, Lee, any guesses? Kevin Nash. Close, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Very close, though. You you almost got I, it no, there. <laughs> I, 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 just got to, I just remembered the, the weird kind of friendship he had with Kevin Nash in around like summer 99. Like himself and Sid were involved as well. It was all very strange. Yeah, him versus Rodman. That was the last pay-per-view match for Randy in WCW because of course it was um he won thank god but still <laughs> what a way to go out you know but um at, at anyway after that he only made a few more appearances on WCW TV one in October and then one in May 2000 and after that Randy was gone from WCW and gone from wrestling as well um he just didn't show up anywhere that is until November 2004, at TNA's first ever three-hour pay-per-view, Victory Road. Because at the end of the show, Jeff Jarrett had defeated Jeff Hardy in a ladder match to retain the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Thanks to his new partners, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, a.k.a. the Kings of Wrestling. And who showed up, Lee? Who showed up to confront Jeff Jarrett and his new goon squad? As the show was ending, but Steve Mongo, McMa- no, no, again, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. 
I couldn't help myself. I had to there. I'm sorry. But uh, it, it, it was, seriously, it was Macho Man Randy Savage. Again, looking a bit different. Uh, he was dressed in all black everything. A black cowboy hat, black shirt, black leather pants, black duster coat, black biker gloves. He looked like Randy Savage cosplaying as The Undertaker, if I'm being honest there. <laughs> but <laughs> still, yeah. it's the Macho Man. And thankfully, TNA gave him back pomp and circumstance as his entrance music. Uh, this time by our good buddy, Dale Oliver. So let's see what Dale has in store for us with his take on pomp and circumstance. say about this one. Uh, it's almost an exact copy of the WCW theme, except uh, the guitar isn't as flourishy. It's a lot more straightforward, really. But I, I think, ultimately, this song is an appropriate metaphor for Randy's time in TNA, because he showed up at Victory Road, he made two appearances on Impact, he was supposed to team with AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy, against the Kings of Wrestling in a six-man at Turning Point, the next pay-per-view. But on the show, the Kings locked Randy in a limo trunk earlier in the night. So it became a handicap match, pretty much. And then Randy showed up at the very end of the match, tagged in, punched Jeff Jarrett in the face, and pinned him. And then afterwards, the plan was supposed to be Randy versus Jeff for the belt at Final Resolution. But, uh, unfortunately, Randy left the company. Some say it was because of health reasons. Some say it was because of booking issues. But either way, Randy was just gone like that. So him having a, a, a pretty much a nondescript, forgettable theme certainly coincides with his short run in TNA. I do not remember making that many appearances on TNA. <laughs> I mean, I, re I remember the big debut and the big reveal, like at the end of the, the Hardy match, and being super pumped for Macho Man coming back into wrestling, even though, like, say he did look drastically different. And then the build up to the, the tree on tree against the, the Kings of Wrestling, and just been so disappointed. It was, uh, it's just such a horrible way to end his career. Any thoughts on this song? Uh, there's. Not much to go on here, I know, but uh, any thoughts, Lee? Uh, I mean, the, the, the song, yeah, I mean, not much. Like you say, it's very very similar to the WCW one. Um, I much preferred it when it went on to become Black Machismo's song. Oh, yes. Um, later on, when uh, Jay Lethal was doing the whole Macho Man ripoff. 
But yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's just kind of deer. Like you say, it's kind of ge- generic to fit. It's a very generic run. And as you said, that was, unfortunately, Randy's last appearance in wrestling. That short, nothing run. And it, it's quite sad that Randy died before he could fully reconcile with WWE and go into the Hall of Fame when he was still alive or show up on Raw. We've seen time and time again where there are people who leave WWE, maybe not under the best of circumstances, but they still mend fences and come back. Uh, Bruno San Martino is a good example of this. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, Alundra Blaze, Kurt Angle, Bret Hart. But, you know, Randy, he never got that moment. Um, not that he needed it or necessarily wanted it. Uh, I, I have no idea what his mindset was in his later years. But as a fan, I think it would have been amazing to see Randy at the Hall of Fame ceremony or on Raw or at WrestleMania. It would have been such a cool moment for him and for us. I do think that's the one thing that's missing is that like appearance on Raw and say like 2010, 2011 or whatever. And just hearing that music again and just seeing a, a crowd rise for Randy. So, I mean, it, it would have been so cool. And it's so sad that he didn't get to make that appearance and mend those bridges with Vince, whatever they are. I know just the whole rumors of what may or may have not happened between Vince and Macho Man. And I mean, I don't buy into it. I mean, there was a couple of times in, during the Monday Night Wars that he almost came back, if you believe the dirt sheets or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of unfortunate that he never got that big return. Yeah, yeah. Um that's that's all I can say, really. You know, it it sucks. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, that was our look at the theme history of Macho Man Randy Savage. Regardless of how his career ended, look, there's no mistaking it. Macho Man, one of the biggest and best wrestlers ever. A legendary man with a legendary career and some legendary themes. Um, except for What Up Mach, because that song sucks. But... <laughs> In any event, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Met. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Lee, for coming on the show. I know this was your first time on a wrestling podcast, and you knocked it out of the park, man, for sure. So so great job, man. Thanks, Andrew. I really appreciate that. Um, hopefully, be back on again, maybe. Who knows? Um, but yeah, real fun. Had a great time. And uh, look forward to doing it again. Yeah, if you want to, you know, plug anything, just go right ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I do my own podcast with a couple of friends of mine. It's at 12 Yards Out on Twitter. Um, it's just a soccer podcast, so if you have any interest in soccer, give us a listen. Hear us talk crap about what we feel is going on in the world of soccer. And other than that, keep an eye out for anything I do on uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, I have been doing the Over to Top Wrestling reviews, and uh, it's obviously an Irish company. Um, I have been on them. I'm no longer doing them, but I will be uh, contributing to whatever WWE pay-per-views, previews, reviews, whatever needs to be done on the site. My condolences, then. <laughs> God, God knows there's a long waiting queue to get in on those previews. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing, of course. I'm teasing. <laughs> You'll soldier on through it with full valor, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, which also has Wrestling Omakase, Shake Them Ropes, Five Star Match Game, Brit Rez Roundtable, Burning Spirits, Sarah and Sarah, plenty more where that came from. Check all the podcasts out. 
at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Go to the VOW forums at voicesofwrestling.com slash forum to find the YouTube playlists for this episode and all past episodes. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. So, Lee, thank you once again. This was an absolute pleasure. And, you know, whenever you want to come back on the show in the future, the door is always open. Great. Can't can't wait. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, for Lee Malone, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Ooh, yeah, dig it. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.